when I first started in this business, you would go to a studio to record. There wasn't really any other option, you know? So you were being taught how the process works by, you know, a trained professional right from the beginning. Now it's kind of more like a lot of people out here call it the wild, wild west, where, you know, people are trying to record at home and, and you can get the files and, and they send them and the vocals distorted, or you can hear the TV on in the, the other room. And so I find that um, there is a little kind of lack for education on how to record properly or how to mix properly, or even as simple as what is mixing and mastering. You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hello, dear listeners. This is Music Growth Talks. I'm your host, Andrew Apanov, all as usual, and this is episode 127. My guest today is Matty Harris, who is an award-winning, acclaimed music producer, mixing and mastering engineer from Boston, now based in Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, as you might guess, we're going to talk about topics that go beyond uh, music, business and marketing, even for we cover some of that stuff as well. There will be a few tips on recording and uh, getting someone to work with you on a song, the benefits that uh, some artists might not be realizing in full. It's a relatively short episode, but I hope that you will uh, take some interesting insights out of it. Uh, Matty has a fascinating background. Uh, he taught with jazz, blues, uh, bands, uh, as a drummer, playing bars and clubs at the age of 14. And after high school, he attended Berkeley College of Music, studied music production and engineering there. And since then, he has worked at numerous records with the likes of Atlantic Records, RCA Records, Warner Bros, uh, artists like Sammy Adams, ASAP Rocky. Uh, he's the one who worked on the uh, Grammy Award winning Stronger by Kelly Clarkson, and uh, he won 2008 Boston Music Award for Best Hip Hop Engineer and Producer. So, many mainly works with artists in the uh, hip-hop, pop, R&B genres, but uh, clearly the advice he's got to share with us is applicable to musicians in any music genre. It goes without saying, really. Uh, so yeah, I really hope that you enjoyed this one. As a reminder, if you want to support this show, please check out my Patreon page. I still only have one tier there, $1 per month. I'm going to change it soon fall. I'm not sure how exactly, but I want to expand it a bit and offer more there. Uh, so if I have more tiers, it will be an additional incentive for me to create a lot more uh, for, for my patrons. Uh, but for now, it's just uh, $1 per month for everything. Go to patreon.com forward slash Andrew Epanoff. Thank you a lot. And here we go, my conversation with Mehdi Harris. What have you been up to lately? Any particular interesting projects, personal or the clients, if there is anything you can reveal? Yeah, I just, um, I just finished working on this artist, uh, Cousin Stiz's latest EP. He's signed to um, RCA Records. Um, he's got a big following in Boston and, 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 and now all across the country. And that was a lot of fun to work on. And I, I just finished actually working on um, this other artist, Cam Meekin's album. And he's working on a bunch of EPs too. 
which kind of seems to be the theme that a lot of artists are releasing EPs more so than albums now. <laughs> so is it, is it the trend from the last year or two or, or more for like a decade kind of thing? Or is it just fresh, fresh? Yeah, I've noticed in the last maybe two, three years, I think it's so important to stay relevant. And as far as like marketing now, where everything is, you have to be on top of things like and be seen day after day as opposed to, I suppose just releasing one album a year or every two years. Um, I see a lot of artists releasing like three EPs a year so they can post at something and have something to release and, and keep their name fresh and, and their art and their fans, you know, ears, so to speak. But anything uh, you would say to defend an album as a format? Yeah, I mean, I'm still a fan of the album, but uh, I think we, we've kind of changed direction where, you know, I kind of feel like our attention span is not quite what it used to be 10 years ago. <laughs> so singles and EPs kind of, I feel, are the way of the future because, you know, people just, they need, honestly, like artists need something to put on Instagram now. Like that's almost as important as the music, which is it's kind of weird in a way, but you need something that, to be able to stay relevant and fresh throughout the year. So I kind of feel like singles and EPs might be more so the way of the future as opposed to just albums anymore you know it is good to understand uh what other artists are doing because a lot of the times especially if there are marketing teams and big record labels behind these releases these people do understand uh the dynamics of the industry of this world right now and uh, there is quite a few things we can learn from from artists out there really cool stuff so your background is fascinating and i've already done an introduction briefly but i'm just curious to hear a bit about about that from you yourself so would you mind just giving an overview of the cool things you've worked with in the past i started off in in boston and um, i went to the berkeley school of music there and then started interning at the local studios and and by the time i got out of school i already had a full-time job engineering and i was producing too i made beats and and music like that And so I started working a lot in the, the Boston hip hop scene. I stayed, stayed there for a good 10 years, just working away and, and, and engineering at all the, the big local studios. Lo and behold, you know, one of the artists, I got to work with some great underground artists like, you know, Gangstar and Slane and Coca Nostra and stuff and while I was there. And then uh, this kid named Sammy Adams came to the studio. We started working together on his EP and it ended up being the first independent record to go number one on itunes back what 10 years ago now yeah. so it was kind of a cool thing and the, the record labels couldn't believe it and so next thing you know we were getting flown out to la for all the madness with the labels and got to go to work at the best studios in the world there and and then from there i kind of came out to la as as a producer and got to work on um uh, kelly clarkson what doesn't kill you make you stronger song worked with a bunch of other great artists uh, like Kaylee 47 cam meekins and a few others and then um after a while the songwriting road for me was getting a little tough it's you know it's like you're working to get one hit a year basically yeah and i still love mixing and mastering which is what i had started doing and so um i kind of started going back to the mixing and mastering stuff i found you know i i also found that i really like working with independent artists more so than working with the labels which is kind of weird because it's like not it's what everyone wants to get to the labels. And I got there and I was like, I still like the labels, but 
I kind of like doing the independent thing. And I like mixing where it's just kind of a, I guess you call it like a one day thing or a two week thing where songwriting can, you know, take a whole year to get a song done and, and out somewhere. So I noticed that a lot of the studios were closing and I thought, you know, all these people are recording at home, but no one knows how to get their song to sound right after they get it recorded. So I, I felt like I could help in, in that way where, you know, I could start an online mixing and mastering company yeah. and people from all across the world could send their songs to my studio here in Los Angeles and get them mixed and mastered professionally so they could release them, you know, to, to the world. Yeah. So that's uh, the long and short of my trip here in the music business. Really cool. This the kind of projects you've worked on and kind of what you do now is very important. And uh, I'm very familiar with the topic, not because I've ever done anything with music production, really, but because so many friends of mine and great business partners and contacts of mine, I have been in the music mixing, mastering markets, let's say, But I am curious to hear your thoughts on the education of musicians these days. So do you find yourself explain the importance of getting a song properly mixed and mastered? Or usually the you just hear from a lot of artists who do understand well that they can a decent song track at home, but they can't make it sound just right themselves? Yeah, well, everything's very strange now. It's it's because, you know, when I first started in this business, you would go to a studio to record. There wasn't really any other option, you know. So you were being taught how the process works by, you know, a trained professional right from the beginning. Now it's kind of more like a lot of people out here call it the wild, wild west, where, you know, you have, you know, people are trying to record at home and, and you can get the files and, and they send them and the vocals distorted or you can hear the TV on in the, the other room. and so. I find that, um, you know, that there is a kind of lack for education on how to record properly or how to mix properly or even as simple as what is mixing and mastering. So, you know, I, I've tried to, to help in that respect by starting a, you know, a YouTube channel and doing, you know, fairly simple videos of what is mixing and mastering, how to use a digital delay and proper mic setup, because, you know, people at home need to learn how to at least get the, the recording right so that they can send it to someone to get it mixed or, you know, if they're learning to mix on their own, can do so, you know, there too. But I think things are getting better as far as a lot of a lot of professionals are starting to do video courses and all this stuff to help, you know, teach the next generation how to do everything correctly, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really important and especially about the recording. And mixing can be, in my opinion, a very creative process as well. It's really important that you understand the vibe of the song and, and things like that. And I understand how many producers and musicians out there are trying to learn how to do it themselves at home. So I've seen that you are offering some educational resources, just as you mentioned, but also, I guess, some consulting as well. Do you have any input? <laughs> Clearly, you are quite biased here, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this kind of just uh, outsource it let the professional mix and master a song versus learning to do it yourself so there is obviously a financial kind of budget aspect to it how much you are ready to spend but would you recommend just doing both if possible or just you think hiring a sound engineer each time is totally common and fine as well so i mean i'm probably going to be kind of partial to this idea since it's my job but I think I personally feel that the more ears you can have on your song, 
the better it might end up being. Because I think if you were, are the artist, the mixer, the master, the marketer, everything, it's just you're it's only you're only seeing things your way. And and that's to me not what music is. You know, music is a collaborative thing that people do together. And the struggle of coming up with something that everyone's happy with is actually, you know, it turns out to usually be a good thing because you know, it's it's just good to have other opinions of, of your song, you know? And so that's that's the one thing I feel like, and this is like a social issue as well, just where we're turning now where it's like a solo person on a computer in their room, you know? It's like a lot of the emotional side of music gets lost a little bit because there's not like an interaction of, of humans to make the music, you know? So I think it's all fine. And there's some guys who can mix really well their own music, you know? But I, I do think if it's either mixing or at the mastering stage, it's a good idea to get a second pair of ears on your song just so you can, you know, have some other opinions on certain things. Yeah, yeah. No, that's everything you mentioned here is absolutely reasonable and makes sense. I think it's a, it's a great advice. And and yeah, yeah, it's it's quite common to learn how to mix, but then you may get you or someone else involved for the mastering phase. So it's it's all, yeah, it makes sense here. So going back to these industry aspects of things have you ever helped any i don't i just don't want anyone reaching out to you have wrong expectations about the kind of services you provide but have you been in a situation where an artist maybe from not from la from somewhere like from somewhere in the u.s or even another country use your services and you like a song so much that you help with the right connection for it or is it common at all for things like that to happen i'm just curious yeah no for sure i mean you know a lot of like one of the guys i work with a lot i, I referred to him a couple of times this kid cam meekins after working with uh Sa sammy adams i met cam and he liked my work with sammy so so we started working together and and now we have a great relationship and, and cam and i signed a deal with atlantic records a few years back and that was just you know from someone who liked my work on someone else's record coming to me to work with me. And then we work together to, to go somewhere else. So it doesn't happen very often because I, I don't, I kind of just like to do the mixing and mastering and I don't really like to, you know, go all out in other places, course, yeah. but there has been one or two times where I heard a song that I was just like, this is an undeniable hit. And I sent it to a few people just to get their opinion, but nothing's come of those. It's perfectly cool. It's, it's even more than, I expect because you don't really have to do any of that. So it's really cool that something like that has been happening occasionally. It's related to the other question I, I was about to ask about, about defining different roles in a team. So for an artist, independent artist out there building uh, a career, it, it can be extremely difficult to do everything on their own. I mean, they have to, and you just yeah. mentioned how an artist is like everyone uh, in the industry, but Building a team is very important, at least at some stage of the career, ideally as early as possible. So uh, I think it would be an interesting insight to to go through some of the typical people you see around bigger or developed artists these days. So not A-list stars necessarily, clearly they have a ton of people working with them, but someone who's getting some traction already. So could you mention maybe what kinds of people these kind of artists have in their teams yeah for sure you know the, some of the guys that i've seen be successful usually have a a guy who's interested in the, the business side of things 
who wants to help out but m- might not be able to help out musically, but is really good at reaching out to blog companies or reaching out to marketing companies, stuff like that. I've seen do really well. So I think it's, you know, it's so hard to be the artist and the businessman because first of all, I kind of feel like they're just two different brains, you know, being creative and then turning around and trying to figure out, you know, uh, negotiate a deal for a tour is just really hard on, on the artist because their job is to be creative. So I've found like the guys that are successful are guys who have a friend or, you know, a brother or whatever it is who they can rely on and who's interested in maybe the business side of music and they can work together and, and, and build something together. And, you know, like I saw that with Cousin Stiz and, and Tim LaRue, who's his manager. They built that from the ground up in Boston and now, you know, signed a, a major deal with RCA and all that. And so, you know, like that's where I see success is, is when you have a couple guys and it could just be your friend, you know. But if you guys can build something together, not only does it help alleviate the artist from having a billion things to do, but this business can be hard, man, and it can be mean. And it's cool to have somebody who you consider kind of your best friend by your side when things are going south because, you know, it's yeah. not always easy, you know. So there's two sides of the team of it helping you be able to do everything, but also just having that base where you guys can trust each other and hold on tight to each other when things get a little hairy, you know. <laughs> Shifting back again to the musical side, to the creative side, and this directly related to what you do. Any interesting feedback or information we should know as people in the industry and as consumers about the quality of music we get from streaming platforms and different music stores? Have you seen anything particular in terms of the quality of music being streamed from Spotify, for example? Is there a point in the mustard for itunes thingy so does it all matter when people listen to music from their phones yeah so well it's kind of interesting because over the last couple of years the levels in uh, streaming and, and so forth have changed when we first started when i first started the music business everything was very dynamic and and music wasn't super loud but as time went on kind of louder became better and there's like this whole thing with the metallica record some years ago where it was like the loudest thing and it was almost, it was distorting. And a lot of people were like, what was going on? And, you know, I always, when I'm mastering, you know, I always like, a lot of times I get it back. It's like, oh, it sounds great. Can you make it louder? So everyone just wants things louder all the time. But in the last couple of years with everything going to streaming, the Apple Music, Spotify and Tidal have all put a loudness restriction on so that when you go from a Jay-Z song to a Joni Mitchell song, it doesn't sound like dramatically different. That the level isn't dramatically different from one song to another, so you don't blow your ears out. So now everything, if if it's too loud, all they do is just turn it down, yeah. which now it works against you because when you make things louder, it closes that uh, dynamics so it doesn't sound as open and, and moving. So the Joni Mitchell song might actually sound louder than the Jay-Z song in that case. Yeah. So now it's at a weird place because the one format that a lot of especially independent artists use, SoundCloud, has not done that. So, you know, an artist will be happy. They've dropped their, released their music on iTunes and everything, and it sounds great compared to others. But then they're like, oh, my song's super low on SoundCloud, you know? So I'm still mastering things fairly loud just because I don't want the artist to lose because their song was too low. But I feel like we are kind of heading in a place where Thankfully, it will all kind of be at the same level volume-wise. Hopefully, SoundCloud will get on board soon. We can actually start not having to like crush 
you know, these songs so that they're loud and maybe bring some dynamics back and stuff like that. Cool, cool insights. So any actionable advice to producers, music, musicians, uh, uh, mix and mastering their own in that regard right now, just to watch this space and uh, to keep it somewhat yeah, loud? Yeah, keep it somewhat loud. Or, you know, if you have the budget for it, you can do two different masters. You can do one for streaming and then one for everybody else. And that way, you know, you might be able to make your song sound a little more dynamic and it might actually stand up better to other songs that, you know, you'll be competing against. Yeah, makes sense. So you, at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned the fact that you've been putting out some uh, educational material and videos well leaning to everything in the show notes. So everyone listening to us knows where to find these links. But yeah, so I just wanted to, to see if there is anything in particular that you'd like to, to mention to, or explain or, or like just mention where to start for someone who is just getting started with, uh, maybe even with recording the, just, you know, someone who's been doing music for a year or so. Do you have any kind of questions that you get asked the most? Yeah. So a lot of times, I mean, a lot of people I work with are just single artists singing or, or rapping. So most of the questions I tend to get are on vocal recording and stuff. And actually, a couple of tips I could maybe give that might help some of the, your listeners is, is the biggest issue I get when people send me stuff to mix that they record at their house was that they recorded, there's two things, that they recorded in a room that had a lot of hard surfaces. So what happens if there's like, a lot of hard Like stuff, mine where I'm recording this right now, I know it's quite bad. But <laughs> please keep going, sir. <laughs> too bad, but maybe when I was, once you compress it, it would be. But uh, in a kitchen or something or a bathroom is just a horrible place to record. Because the hard surfaces bounce around, you end up getting a lot of reverb and, and it builds up and, yeah. and it makes it harder to mix. So when you're recording, you tend to want to record somewhere as dead as, when I say dead as possible, somewhere where there's a lot of soft surfaces. So like a bedroom, a carpeted bedroom with a bed or a big couch in it, stuff that can suck up a lot of the sound of the room. And the other thing people do is if they, if they can't hear themselves is they turn the mic pre-gain up. And what that does is just distort the recording. So instead of doing that, turn the music down and then you can hear yourself better. So those are some things I find that, you know, are just really basic stuff that can really change the person's recording. But yeah, I do have a YouTube channel that I'm doing a bunch of videos on um, that have been really helpful to a lot of people. I go over a lot of basic stuff like, you know, proper mic techniques and how a digital delay works and stuff like that. Good stuff. Uh, so yeah, thanks for mentioning these tips. And uh once again, I'm linking to everything in the show notes, but for those listeners who are on the go but really want to check your stuff out right away, can you spell out the website URL? Yeah, my website is uh, mixandmastermysong.com, M-I-X-A-N-D-M-A-S-T-E-R-M-Y-Song-S-O-N-G.com, but it's pretty easy, just mixandmastermysong.com. Yep, some proper call to action uh, here right away, I like that. Yeah, so good stuff. I'm linking to the social media profiles as well. And I assume that anyone interested in what you do can just use the contact form and uh, just hit you up, reach out, and 
chat. So, good stuff. Uh, really appreciate all the interesting insights. Uh, we covered some of the technical aspects. Well, we, we don't talk about music creation too much on this show, but it's uh, it's, re- it's really good to to get at least some of the basic topics covered in that area. And um, really interesting industry insights from you as well. Really appreciate all of that. Oh, Andrew, thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure being here. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks to many once again for the insights and uh, all of you listening uh, also just uh, to anyone here who has not subscribed to Music Growth Talks yet. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher and uh, SoundCloud and YouTube and TuneIn and a bunch of other platforms. Uh, so please consider subscribing. You can find the links at musicgrowthtalks.com. Thank you all so much and stay tuned. We've got a lot of interesting conversations coming up in the next episodes of the show. Thank you. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.